sold me Ba-rum-ba-bum-bum A newborn king to see Ba-rum-ba-bum-bum Our finest gifts we bring thing is, I don't really love this song, but I love this version of the song. Totally. Like, if it didn't have the whole David Bowie part, forget about it. I love it. It just, like, conjures up those Christmas memories, doesn't it? I mean, for me, it totally does. I wonder if David Bowie secretly hated this song. Because it was one of his most successful singles as an artist. Why would you hate that? Well, because he was covering a Christmas song with Bing Crosby. And not, it wasn't like one of his, you know, musical masterpieces. Yeah, I wonder that too, actually, because Mariah Carey is doing some sort of Christmas special this year. And she's become synonymous with Christmas because of that massive hit she has. And I wondered... Does she secretly hate Christmas inside? Just because she had one Christmas song that does so well every year doesn't mean mean that she is Christmas. Think of all the money she would have made off that song, like back in the day. And even today, actually. I mean, that song we figured out uh, came out in 1994. Mm -hmm. So she would have had many years of that just selling, Mm -hmm. you know, the way stuff sold, whether it was a CD or, uh, you know, an iTunes song. Mm-hmm. However, people bought music back then yeah. before streaming services. And all the movies it's been in. It's been in like every Christmas movie, right? It's been in a lot. Was it in Love Actually? Yes, yeah. It was the big finale. But uh, it was the they, they didn't play Mariah Carey's version. It was the school version. It was right? this kid's uh production. But when, would she get paid, Bundis? Would Mariah Carey get paid for that? Or uh, that would depend on who wrote it, I guess, eh? Oh, that's a great question. If somebody's covering a song in a movie, it must the the yeah, original you, writers would have to get paid. Yes, they would. Yeah, you wouldn't have to you wouldn't have to pay for the recording, but the in order to like license a, a cover, the writer has to get an initial payment for that. Yeah. So Mariah Carey would have had to been paid so that whatever band was that covered it could cover it in the first place. Gotcha. Let's see who wrote it. Songwriters: Mariah Carey and a guy named Walter. <laughs> <laughs> and Walt. Yeah, so between the two of them, they would have made some cash. Oh, man. Can you imagine? wonder what uh, that Walter guy, he's 62 now. wonder what his biggest thing was. Probably that song That song? Right there. I mean, it's hard to top the success of that hit. He won the Grammy Award in 1999 for Record of the Year for producing My Heart Will Go On by Celine Dion. Oh, shut up. He's a big deal. Yeah. Uh, he won, he's worked with Luther Vandross, Richard Marks, Whitney Houston, Barbara Streisand, Christina Aguilera. So he must've been a huge guy back in the nineties. Totally. For working. Yeah. Is there a Christmas movie that you guys have to watch every year? There's a couple that I like to see. I mean, I've already watched one of them. National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. (laughs) I mean, I think for people... In my age group, that that's the Christmas classic right there. Is there one that would be bigger than that one? I can't well, think of it. I mean, I have other ones that come and go, but definitely um, Love Actually is one of my favorites. Uh, that's just a great Christmas yeah, movie. I love that movie. I also like The Holiday. I've brought this up before on our podcast with Cameron Diaz and... Um, Never seen it. Jude Law and Jack Black and Kate Winslet. Give it a watch. I know you have troubles with Jack Black. 
He just tr- he tries too hard. He's not natural enough. I like, I mean, he's a funny guy. He's, he's so talented. Funny. I see the talent there. <laughs> he just tends not to be my cup of tea for comedy. He makes me laugh. Yeah. I like him in bit roles. I like him as like a character on the side, mm-hmm. just chiming in. Did Tropic you like Thunder. Tropic Thunder? Yeah. yeah. Perfect, as the drug addict? Perfect in Tropic <laughs> Thunder. Love that. Oh, God. Um, yes. I, I didn't like School of Rock. You know, that's just a little too much Jack Black. What is not to like in to School me, it's, of Rock? It's like having something extremely sweet mm-hmm. for dessert. It can be great in the right amount, but you have too much of it and it makes you feel a little queasy. Mm. That's Jack Black for me. Gotcha. Um, I also, from a nostalgic point of view, I mean, this movie came out way before I was born and probably before my parents were born, but it's a wonderful life. I just like, oh my God, I like so that it's right. always on, even though the storyline sort of... Fuck Potter, eh? What an asshole. Dick. <laughs> Potter. Potter. Damn you, Potter. <laughs> Yeah, but I just it just reminds me of Christmas because it's featured in so many Christmas movies. Yeah. That even though the uh, it's hard to watch, it uh it's still something that I like to watch. What is hard to watch about that movie? Well, it's kind of stupid how he's playing himself throughout all the different phases of his life including as a high school kid and he looks like he's the same age from beginning <laughs> to end. You know what? That's watch right. Watch the beginning of It's a Wonderful Life. <laughs> and uh, what's his name? Jimmy Stewart who mm. plays um, what's it? What's it? Okay, I'm trying to remember the well, other You got your Clarence Dan. and you got your Potter. And then what's Jimmy Stewart's character's name? I can't believe I can't I'm remember. blanking on this. I know what it is. He lassoes the moon. Yeah, well, it's... Uh, what's his name? James Stewart plays uh, plays George. George. Bailey. George Bailey. Yeah. Mary. <laughs> he, yeah, when you see him in high school, it's like he has a receding hairline. <laughs> I wonder, when did that movie... Okay, so that movie was released in 1947. Wow. And how old would he have been in... Let's say they filmed it in 1946. He was born in 1908. Holy... So what's the math on that? Let's uh, let's just say... Let's say 46... So he, he was almost 40. He was in his late 30s. Mm-hmm. And he's playing a high school kid. And it just... So parts of it kind of make me a little bit annoyed, but... Mm-hmm. It's a classic. It's just a classic. What about for you, Bundus? Is there like a Christmas special? <sighs> Die Hard. Yeah, Die Hard. Shut um, up, Die Naka, moment. No, what's it? The, the, the Christmas party where it all goes down? Oh, yeah. The building? Yeah. And uh, Haley's uh, office building? Yeah, what, I don't remember the name of it. I want to say Nakatomi, but be. that's not right. Guys, I think I've it's literally never seen Die Hard. Really? What? Yeah, I've never seen it. It's just not my cup of tea, you know? Yeah, but you've just from... It, even back when it came out, it wasn't your cup of tea. Yeah, like there weren't that many movies back then. Die Hard. When you'd go to the video store and they didn't have like something in, yeah. Die Hard would be a great one to rent. Yeah, it's not my, it's not my bag. There's so many great quotes in that movie. You, know, you didn't like, have a boyfriend that wanted to watch Die Hard with you? Nope. <laughs> no, I did not. Wow. God. Sorry. You got to see it for the quotes alone, you know? Come Give me a the, quote. Come on to the coast. We'll get together. Have a few laughs. Or the yippee motherfucker. yippee like, motherfucker yeah, like, is like the classic line from that. Yeah. It doesn't feel very Christmassy, guys. Oh, well. I mean, it's, there's a Christmas party going on. There's snow. John McClane's got to come save the day. Yeah. They play Christmas music in it from time to time. Even the second one, you could say, is a Christmas movie. But the first one, without question, is. What's the second one... 
happening at Christmas when they were uh, when the terrorists took over the airport? I'm pretty sure it was Christmas time. Yeah, it was like there's snow everywhere. He's yeah. trying. He's, you know, same kind of deal. He's trying to get on a plane, get back home. Yeah. I mean, Die Hard is as much a Christmas movie as uh, Love Actually. Please. I mean, Love Actually not ended true. at Christmas, but there was a whole lead up to it. Mm-hmm. Like lead up that is Christmas time. Everyone's yeah. Christmassy. That's I, the point of that movie. Favorite part of Love Actually? Oh, favorite part of Love Actually? When the dude starts flirting with his secretary, right? Obviously, hot secretary. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. And when Billy Bob plays uh, the U.S. president and he flirts with her and then... Oh, no. He d- doesn't flirt with the secretary. I'm talking about the guy that um, almost cheated on his wife with his secretary. Oh, my God. Yeah. The Alan hot secretary Rickman. who was throwing herself at Alan Rickman. Oh, <laughs> Yeah, she was so hot, too. <laughs> she was pretty hot. That was terrible, that storyline. That was the dark storyline. It was breaking your heart. Oh, my God. And then she, she wore went devil. to open up the present, hoping to find the necklace, and it was a Joni, know, Joni Mitchell. Mitchell CD. Oh, God. Oh. That was painful. Yeah. That, that plot line was the sad one. But I think that's what's nice about that movie is that you know, you're going through stuff sometimes at Christmas. Sometimes Christmas can be dark. I went through my divorce at Christmas. That was the worst Christmas ever. Yeah. Oh, and sometimes when you're going through something dark, you have to go to those family gatherings and stand there and act like nothing's wrong. You have to go to a Christmas party with a spouse that you're like arguing with or you're in a dark place with and you have to act like nothing's wrong. That shit's heavy. So I, I appreciated that there was like a marriage in crisis in that movie because that's real. I'll tell you, they couldn't make that movie with the same plot points today. No, they couldn't because Hugh, Hugh, Grant's, Hugh Grant's character, character could l- never hook up with an assistant. Well, and he, and she ended up losing her job. I don't know if you remember that, but yeah. when Billy Bob flirted with her, Hugh Grant fired her and she did nothing wrong. It's not her fault that Billy Bob flirted with her. He dispersed her from her job because she was too sexy or something? Like It was too hard for him to be around her <laughs> after that because he was hurt. Mm-hmm. Well, and even at the end, like you can't be in a position of power mm. like that and start dating the girl who brings you your tea. Yeah, but she lost her job, right? So yeah. she was no, well, it was okay. Even if that didn't happen, just that power struggle mm-hmm. between, you know, the... What was her role? I don't, she I, was like a secretary or like personal, personal assistant, assistant yeah. to, the, to prime, the prime minister. To the prime minister. Yeah. yeah. And then even when they patched things up at the end, that couldn't happen. <laughs> I think he could patch things up and because she wasn't working there anymore. Yeah, but it would, it would still like everyone would raise the question about how inappropriate it was and how they met and all that kind of There's thing. There's a lot of inappropriate stuff going on in that movie. What about Kira Knightley's character who the best man... Yeah. The best man at her wedding was in love with her and she gave him a kiss after marrying his best friend. She still kissed him just to thank him for, you know, being honest. I still can't get over the fact that the best friend is actually Rick from Walking Dead. (laughs) I feel like shaking him and saying, dude, none of this matters because the apocalypse is coming. Okay, you're all going to be running from zombies soon. Like, I, I never put it together until after I was into Walking Dead, and then somebody pointed out that's, that, that's, that, the, that's guy. the guy from Love Actually. Yeah. Is Rick. Yeah, yeah. And he's really British. He's in real ri- life, he's, he's one of those British. people. 
Yeah. Have you not seen Love Actually, Bundes? No, I've never seen it. Come on, what? man. Between the two of you, we have to have a little movie uh, <laughs> screening of Die Hard followed by Love Actually. <laughs> that actually sounds kind of fun. I don't think, it, there's not many movies that are big in pop culture that I haven't seen. I, I'd say the only ones that would fit into that category would be some Adam Sandler ones. Mm-hmm. Like I've never seen that one where, uh, I've seen parts of it where he's playing that bumbling fool whose dad's super rich and then leaves him all the money, but he's got it. Billy Madison, I've never seen front to back. And every time I've tried to watch a part of it, it seems way too stupid for me. Mm, Even though I do love some Sandler movies. Like, I I loved Happy Gilmore. I loved that one. Yeah. (laughs) I think everyone loved Bob Barker and Happy Gilmore. That was like the best cameo of all time. Yeah, it wasn't written that way. You know that, eh? No, I didn't know yeah, that. What do you I mean? I saw that, and I, I think it was an Adam Sandler uh, interview where he was talking about it. The only way Bob Barker agreed to be in it mm-hmm. would be if he won. So they rewrote it that way. Really? But originally, I think he was supposed to kick Bob Barker's ass. <laughs> And Bob's like, no, you want me in it? You want me to do this? And I don't even know if that was the original plan. Like, if I think they may have had another plan, and then it fell through, and then they thought of this, and then Bob's like, I'll do it, but I got to win the fight. That's so great. That is so great. Because it made that scene, right? If he just, although it would have been pretty funny if he just kicked the shit out of Bob Parker, <laughs> and he's like, you know, yeah. stomping on him with his foot or something. That could have been pretty funny, too. Yeah. It seems like Bob Barker's always looked like an old guy. Like, do you ever remember like a young Bob Barker? No, no. <laughs> no. I wonder if Google even has a picture of a young Bob Barker. Sure. He, that guy hosted The Price is Right for a hundred years. Yeah, he's always been the same old guy, you know? I know. It seems that way. <laughs> but you know, people back in the day... Mm-hmm. That were 50 looked old yeah, compared to today. Yeah. I see someone today who's 50 and I'll be like, ah, they look pretty good. They look young. And What's then the I, difference? Is it just look, like hair dye? Like people dyeing dye? their hair? I just think the way we look after ourselves, skin cream maybe, things like that. Don't get me wrong. I think Bob Barker was a very handsome older man. But he was an older man. It's a prick, pretty slick uh, looking young man too, actually. Oh, was he? Yeah. Oh, okay, now you got me Googling. Yeah, Bob Barker, young. young. <laughs> Bob Barker. Oh, yeah. Let's have a look, see. He looked pretty good. He was a Navy man too. Oh, wow. Shit. Holy. Yeah, he didn't get that job because he was horrible looking, that's for sure. He's got a nice chiseled jawline. Yeah. He really was handsome. If you scroll down a little bit, do you see the one picture with Bob Barker looking at a woman with like, looks like an E chest down at it? <laughs> yes. yes, yes. Yeah. That's a great shot. <laughs> Is that for real? There's no way there was a contestant on that show. They had contestants. They had, you know, a ton of people every day. Of course, there could have been a girl with a big chest. With chest? That, that, those are, that's like a joke. If she went on, like a costume? there's no way her breasts were that big. <laughs> that's there's so funny that you noticed that. And he's looking down. No, that could be real. Oh, that's crazy, though, if they are. Just Google Bob Barker Young. That's how I found it. I don't know how you guys found <laughs> yeah, it. Yeah, that's exactly what I typed Did in. you? Yeah. Bob Barker Young. It's one, two, three, four, five rows down to the right. Or, or Google Bob's favorite contestant. <laughs> it will also come up. That's a nice necklace. That's a nice necklace. I see that meme as well, yes. That's ridiculous. 
You'd think that episode would go down in history. It's funny that that was the picture they used for an article that was about him retiring. (laughs) (laughs) Although it seems kind of like a joke website. Ah, that's Pigskinpalooza.blogspot.com. Anyway. That would have been a fun show to go on. Like if I got to choose any game show, I definitely want to be on The Price is Right. I'd want to play Plinko. I'd want to spin that wheel. I want to be in the showcase showdown. You know, love it. Plinko, pretty good one. Yeah, it might be fun to do, just to even get out of contestants row. I feel like I could do it. What would you wear a shirt? Because you need to have an outfit on on that show to get pulled Uh, up, right? You think? Well, most of the people are all dressed crazy or, you know, they have some sort of swag. I know what you would wear. Your Bishop's University sweater? No, I wouldn't wear that. Oh, I'd have a shirt yeah. saying, I love you, Bob. Or, you know what I mean? Like today, it'd be, I love you, Drew. Right. That's the way to get, get called up. Yeah. A friend of mine, uh, a guy I know, was uh, on the show from, he was sitting in the front. He didn't get called up to contestants row. Okay. But he was there in all the shots. It was pretty funny. He went for a taping. So what was that they like? Do, they do like, I mean, uh, they seat you accordingly. You know, it's very strategic. What do you mean and, they seat you accordingly? Well, they want certain people sitting in certain sections to so, make sure the, the audience is like spread out properly. For, I don't as, know as what far criteria. As like how you look? I don't know what criteria they use, but they place people in different seats. Mm-hmm. So you go in and they, you know, they're looking at you and they're like, all right, you're sitting up there and they want to stack the crowd a certain way. And what did your buddy look like? I mean, he just looks like kind of like an average dude at the time where he was in it he would have been quite young like uh university age okay so front row front row and they were all like it was a bunch of guys on a trip to california and they were all just like jacked like so happy to be there so <laughs> totally. like just so excited <laughs> making the best excited faces for the cameras <laughs> it was so funny to watch oh i bet you it was the best yeah. i tried to get tickets to the prices right i went to LA with a girlfriend and we tried to get tickets but it was too hard you really have to know you're going in advance and like book that shit way way in advance I'm pretty sure Canadians were allowed to get on mm-hmm. that one mm-hmm. because some you can't but uh, he never got called down eh no not to I think he would have been uh, too young maybe I mean they're, they're very careful with who they know who they're calling down it's not like some random bingo draw mm-hmm. where they have a big ball. So they I, take I don't your think... name because they call you you by name, right? It's not seat number. I can't remember. Yeah, I'm... yeah, exactly. Call you by name. Yeah, they call you by name, and then they do that like uh, search with the camera. Where are they sitting? Are they <laughs> and then they're like, you run out, come on down. Right. What was the name of that guy? Like the, uh, the co-host Rod Roddy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't think that was his real name. Is oh, he... you think Rod Roddy's a fake name? <laughs> Is Rod Roddy still there? I don't know. I just I remember he had so. some like killer jackets. Oh yeah, and the ties. Oh man, that's I, the best job if you have like a radio voice. To he's get dead. The... <gasps> he is Rod Roddy. Rod died. He was uh, died in two thousand three. American announcer. He was uh, how old was he when he died? Uh, Born in thirty seven. He was sixty six. Okay. So he died at a pretty young age. So. I guess Bob Barker stuck around for a bit after he died. Huh. <laughs> it was great to have him on the show, though, because they'd always go to his face and he'd be doing the live announcements, right? Yeah. It's super fun. He must have been a radio guy, too, I would think. Yeah, that Back got in the into day, it. Because he's probably like, ooh, you know, perfect super voice. schmaltzy. Yeah. Yeah. Disc jockey and talk show host in Dallas, Texas. 
He worked overnights like Midnight Mora. Oh my God. In Buffalo, New York. There you go. So you probably would have been able to listen to him. You know, anywhere in our, uh, you know, like in Southern Ontario, yeah. probably would have come through because he was on an AM station there. What a great gig to land. Yeah, that's the dream, right? That's mm-hmm. like Alex Trebek landed that gig. Uh, and once you get in, then you're you're laughing. Mm-hmm. When you see, you know, Pat Sajak, mm-hmm. these people. And those jobs are relatively... While maybe monotonous, super easy because they bang them off. They bang them off my... They uh, do like a few months of taping a year. And yeah. then they've got a year's worth of shows and they just roll them out. My husband worked on Match Game, the Canadian version, and they would shoot five episodes a day. Yeah. Five episodes a day. And, and they would make the studio audience sit through all five of them. Same audience? Same audience. So they you had to commit to go in. Yeah, and they usually wouldn't... Uh, uh, what was I going to say? They usually, uh, you know, you'd have to commit to staying there all day, but uh, you'd have fun. I mean, people wanted to be on the show. They wouldn't turn the camera on the audience that much on that show. Like, you couldn't do that with Prices Right, I would assume. You'd have to bring in fresh audience every yes. time. Yes. Fresh audience, yeah. I would think you would. I know, like, if you uh, get on a show like Jeopardy, you have to bring a bunch of changes of clothes. Do you? Oh, they, for the audience? No, for the people on it. Because if you win, you're coming back, you know, in the an next hour. day. Right. But that's literally could be just like, you know. 20 minutes. I don't know what the turnaround time is, but it often is the same day. Right. And so you got to have different outfits. So huh. it looks like a different day. Do you think you'll watch the final episode of Jeopardy on Christmas Day that features Alex Trebek? Oh, you know, I'd like to, but uh, maybe I'll watch it later. Like, I don't think I'd do that on Christmas Day. Kind of feels like a little bit of a Debbie Downer thing to do on Christmas Day, you know, to watch uh, the last episode of such an icon like that. Yeah. You know? I mean, it's not like you, he doesn't die on the screen. I know, but it's just like, you know, get it's you down. It's the last new one. Yeah. That's going to air. That's it. That'll and, be all. Then, well, they'll do some like uh, for a few weeks, they're going to do just like favorite episodes. And then Ken Jennings steps in as the first interim host. Mm-hmm. As I would imagine, they're just trying out different people to see how they do. Gotcha. Yeah. Um. Do you have a, you're not seeing a family over Christmas, right? Like you're just no. locked down. We are in a bubble with uh, my in-laws. So we were there last night for dinner. Those are the only people we see. It's because we have a four-year-old and like uh, my mental health during the beginning of the pandemic was not good. Just not having the support mm-hmm. with a young child and no, no daycare or anything. So now uh, we have them in our bubble and we'll probably see them, but that's about it. Yeah, I just, uh, I I didn't even know you could do this until someone mentioned it to me the other day, but there are private clinics where you can pay to have a COVID test done. Mm -hmm. And I guess the advantage there, well, first of all, you you get an appointment, but you're not really putting a strain on the public system. Oh, yeah. Because I would never do this if it meant like knocking somebody who thought they had the virus out of a lineup Mm -hmm. to get a vaccine, but I've made an appointment for all four family members to have a COVID test on our last day of work here. Mm-hmm. And they're my kid's last day of school. Okay. And uh, then we'll wait like three or four days. And then when we get the results, assuming that we're all negative, and we'll stay locked down from the point, you know. After the test. Right after the test. 
uh, to when we get the all clear and then my mom's going to come because otherwise she'd be alone at Christmas. So, and she's going to hunker down as well and lay low leading up to it. So I think that's fair. I know a lot of people who are kind of self quarantining and isolating. Like I have a friend who is going to quarantine for two weeks so that he can see his parents on Christmas. He's, uh, he's a realtor and he's already said, guys, I'm not seeing any clients over the holidays. Two weeks before, I'm, I'm totally isolating myself so I can spend that time with the family. So I know people are finding ways that they can do it and make it work. And then some other people, my brother's having kind of like a Christmas soiree in his backyard. He's going to get a fire going and just say, drop in anytime between noon and, and six and mm-hmm. and just say hello and... Yeah. Wear a mask. Yeah. But they don't want, I mean, I guess what I'm doing, although my mom's alone, so they said if you're alone, then, you know, join up with one family yeah. or something. So I don't know if I'm really breaking the rules on that one. Mm-hmm. You're definitely breaking the rules with your- <laughs> With my in-laws? Your, well, it's two people, I know. It's a f- family of six, uh, five now, mm-hmm. which is not crazy. No. There's lots of families of five that are isolating together. Mm-hmm. And Bundes, you're going to see your parents- yeah, I'll go home. Will you sleep over there? Yeah, I'll probably uh, spend a couple days. Like, do you have like an old bed where your feet hang over the edge? <laughs> yes, I do. Oh, do you? The old bed is still there. Oh is God! It, do, do you have like? Is the room decorated as it was before you left? Uh, no, a lot of the stuff is is gone. Um, and my closet is full of my sister's clothes that like she doesn't wear for some reason. Oh, gotcha. <laughs> She's taken over. So it doesn't really well, like, feel like your room. No, not really. But my sister doesn't even live there. That's the thing. My sister lives, you know, downtown Toronto in a condo, but her, my, my old closet is still filled with like all of her clothes. Go figure. I think that's such a cool thing. And it, it seems to be something you only see in movies. Home when, for the holidays. Home for the holidays. And then you go into your room and you're, there's your catcher's mitt and your yeah. whatever. All this old gear. You pull from out when your you yearbook and you see like a little note from like a girl you used to hook up with in high school. Then you go to the local pub. Oh my God, there she is. Yeah, there's yeah. a few things. Like I still got some model cars up on one of the dressers and like there's some like my sweatpants and some sweaters and like there's some socks. And, like there's some stuff there that is still mine. But like there's a lot of the pictures that were on the wall, like it was repainted. That stuff has come down. Yeah. You don't have like Avengers bed sheets or anything. No. <laughs> that would no. be cool. I used to <laughs> no. love going to when uh, Matt and I first started dating I would go home to his place for Christmas Eve and spend the night there. Is it a shrine? Uh, Yeah a little bit. There's a freaking cutout of him in the basement life size of him pitching. He tried to get me to bring it to our place. I'm like (laughs) no burn that. I do not need that. That's awesome. awesome. Why wouldn't you want that there? A life-size cutout of him pitching? You should have that at the front door of the bar. That's That's great. It should be up at the bar. It should be like in the show Cheers. Ted Danson was a professional pitcher. He owned the bar and he had a picture of him pitching behind the bar. That's different. There is a picture of Matt on the bench with a bunch of guys in university. I don't need a life-size cutout of him. I used to have a life-size cutout of Pierce Brosnan. When yeah. He, yeah, as James Bond in my bedroom, you think I'm saying, hey, you mind if I bring Pierce into our marital home? Yeah, but you're home? not married to Pierce. Yeah, I love him. Big fan of his movies. I've had a, I had a life-size cutout of myself once. <laughs> you did? Yeah, well, don't you remember there was uh, a promotion with Sleep Country? Yeah. At our last radio station, and you had to have like your, you had to go into a location and take a picture with me. Oh, in yeah? In bed. Did you? Or something, Yeah. And I remember uh, when they returned all my personal effects after that work experience, 
they didn't deliver that one to me. Oh, they didn't. It was in my office, but I guess they deemed that company property. Because <laughs> they thought you would do Which, something to it. Honestly, I, I at the time I was like, ah, you know, it would have been fun to have because I have like a little wall in my office with some artifacts from past jobs. Yeah, totally. That might have been a fun one to have. Yeah. But they held on to it. I yeah. guess they wanted to keep it. Mm-hmm. Maybe, uh, maybe there were some real fans in there, and they took it home to their house. Highly unlikely, <laughs> Bundus, between you and I. Highly <laughs> unlikely, highly <laughs> unlikely. But uh, I can't believe you wouldn't let him uh, bring it home. No. Does he have any trophies from his? Because he was a, a very accomplished pitcher on track to be in the major leagues. So um, must have a lot of trophies. Yeah, a lot of like uh, you know baseballs behind like little glass boxes. That he said, this is the ball that I won against our game in the Junior Worlds against Cuba. And I'm like, eh. Yeah, you're not nostalgic at all. I forget, I forget not, that from time to I'm time. I'm not a nostalgic Maura person. Threw out all her old yearbooks. Yeah. Bunnies, you hold on to that stuff. Oh, I'm so nostalgic. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I like live... I. Everything in my life is like chronicalized by like girls I used to date or trips that I went on. Like, oh yeah, that was the year. <laughs> of of, that was the year of Jessica. I remember that happened. You know, <laughs> this video came out or video game came out during that year. Oh, me and the guys went on a trip that year. Like, yeah, man, I love that stuff. I love thinking back on like all of my past memories. My, I'm so nostalgic. I'll drive by old apartments that I lived in for ten months. Yeah, <laughs> you know, just I'll go drive out of my way and be like, oh, I want to see that place I used to live in. I get that. I get that. I just don't need a picture of it, I guess. I like to drive by my old place in Montreal. I would totally want to do that. I have one thing that I'm nostalgic about, and it is a, um, it's my nude, my pregnancy nude. I've literally decided that I'm going to pass it down. I feel like for, from generation to generation. Oh God. <laughs> You're so funny. <laughs> Bunnies, do you have the RoboCop music it, you It's beautiful. No. It is a beautiful art <laughs> photo i just thought harvest would want it one day and then harvest why would she want that why wouldn't she want it here's my naked mother here's my mom it's her naked and then imagine she has a kid and then all of a sudden that's my grandmother naked when she gets passed down it's beautiful if i had a nude of my grandma i think that would be really cool really because like the I remember being a kid and like anytime my mom was like changing and I walked by her bedroom, I'd be like, ew, gross. You know, I I don't want a naked picture of my mom. Yeah, but imagine your mom in the full expression of womanhood. Yeah, yeah it's my with the mom. the baby in yeah, the tummy. No, no, yeah. I had that picture taken four days before I went into labor. I'm just, I love it. Oh, good for you. <laughs> uh, you know, and if, Harvest, if Harvest decides to toss the picture out, that's okay. But the problem is, is she, she'll feel too guilty. So now she's going to have to schlup that around from place to place for the rest of her life after she gets a hold of it. I just want one of her boyfriends to be like, wow, your mom was hot. <laughs> yeah, that's what you're fishing for. There's the motivation right there. Well, should we we just start playing Christmas music for these uh, series of podcasts leading up to Christmas now? Yeah, I think we might have to, guys. I hated that part of the song. If I had to sing it at choir or something. 
Bing Crosby, by the way, huge dick. Really? Yeah, he was abusive and stuff. Oh, I thought you meant he had a huge dick. <laughs> I, know, no, I was he, like, how do you know? I, well, he may have had a huge dick, I don't know, but he was a huge dick. If, I if you do the research on him, he was like, hey. Oh. I think he was notoriously angry at times. But Shit. Yeah. Anyway, thanks for checking out. I don't know Thanks for ending on that. End, maybe I should pick a different song. Can't end on that one now, can we? What do you got? <laughs> well, I don't know. It was the one we played uh, yesterday. I'll play that one. Whatever How about you that got one? is good. Uh, Sam Smith, not a huge dick. Not a huge dick. Uh, Lovely human being. Should we end on that I'm one? Sure. Screw Bing Crosby. Asshole. <laughs> he's got a little dick. No wonder he's always angry. Little dick. Little dick. Okay. From now on, your troubles will be out of sight. Trying to end the podcast. Stop singing. Okay. Shauna, and I might be a bad parent because my kids think french fries are vegetables. Hey, it's Ryan, and I might be a bad parent because I went out for wings when my wife was in the hospital after giving birth. Johnny here. I might be a bad parent because in my house, the tooth fairy gives pocket change. But we're not alone. Len emailed us and said his six-year-old daughter's Tarzan moment going from love seat to lazy boy by curtains made him more proud than any dance <laughs> recital. And Andy left his two-year-old at the rink. All right, guys, I'm sure we're not alone, like Andy's kid. For stories and confessions like this, make sure you check out our podcast. It's called Bad Parents, and it's available wherever you get your podcasts. I left a glove at the rink.